Welcome to KIOS at the Movies. I'm your host, Joshua LeBure, and today's an Omaha Film Festival special. Yeah, my name's Matt Waldeck. I'm the director of Lovely Jackson. Thank you so much for this beautiful film, first of all. Second, explain what the film is. The film is about uh, a man named Ricky Jackson, who at the time of his release in 2014 was the longest wrongfully incarcerated person in U.S. history. He spent 39 day, uh, years on death row and in prison for a murder he didn't commit, uh, convicted solely on the eyewitness uh, testimony of the neighborhood paperboy, who was 12 years old at the time. There's no physical evidence in the case connected him to the crime, only uh, just some eyewitness testimony, which we know now is very unreliable. So what we did was something very experimental and bold. Um, Ricky <clears throat> wanted to you know, tell an exoneration story, not from an academic or an issue point of view, which there's been a lot of great work done with that, but from the emotional and spiritual point of view. So what we did was Ricky actually returned to the prison where he was sent in 1976, which is the same location they used to film the Shawshank Redemption. And he participated in reenactments alongside actors, uh, one of which played the younger version of himself, where he guides that younger actor from death row to freedom. Uh, He also uh, participated in a reenactment alongside the his accuser who, you know, was 12 years old in, in 1979 and obviously not now, but he came down as well. And so it, we actually have them in a couple of scenes together. So it's a very um, sort of interesting approach to storytelling. It's, I could say confidently, it's the most authentic firsthand accounting of wrongful conviction that I think has ever been presented on film. I'm curious, what was the impetus to make this film? It was during COVID, actually. It was, um, you know, probably right right when it first happened, like March of 2020. And, uh, you, you know, this is the first film I've ever directed. I'm usually a producer on a project. And so we had a, a narrative a film sort of teed up, ready to go. And then COVID came in. And so I had connected with Ricky back in the fall of 2017. I had seen his uh, first settlement that he received from the state of Ohio. I saw that in the papers in Cleveland. And obviously it's the longest of anything. If you're a storyteller or doc filmmaker or any, yeah, yeah. Any kind of a filmmaker or storyteller, you know, the most of anything is, is, something of note, and obviously his so so that's just sort of starting point and then the extraordinary details of the story that sort of sparked my interest first and so i tried to track him down i I cold called like every lawyer uh mentioned in the news article i didn't make any headway for a year i would say and then i was doing a like a company update for some of our investors and one of our investors came forward and said you know, Ricky Jackson, you mean like you're trying to get in touch with the guy that was in prison? I said, yes. And he said, he's my next door neighbor. And uh, that's a true story. And so after looking for him for probably you know, 12 months trying to connect, it was only, you know, maybe another week. And I was sitting next, you know, with Ricky doing an audio recording uh, interview of him, which I did for like three consecutive days for probably 10 hours a day. And what grew to your point about true crime being about the facts or about the case and not necessarily about the people. Uh, You know, what initially sparked my interest was very quickly surpassed by Ricky, the person and the approach that he's taken to putting his life back together. 
which most exoneration stories end in the triumphant moment in the courtroom, right? But this film has, it's not even a, you know, it's not even a, an epilogue. It's really the third act. Um, and, you know, we wanted to really talk about what what it's like crawling out of a 40-year time capsule and having to forgive and being forgotten by your family and, you know, the issues that, you know, the wrongfully incarcerated face in, in, in coming back into the real world. And, uh, and that's a lot tougher than parolees, guilty people, because when you're paroled out, you're still a ward of the state technically. So there's housing and, um, you know, job employment opportunities that are presented to you. So you stay straight. And when you're exonerated and have been wronged by the state, there's nothing for you. So you walked out of prison, penniless, no training, no ID, no family, nothing. This film has an incredibly strong visual language. I'm curious if you could speak a little bit to that specifically. Like I said, I didn't I didn't initially set out to direct this. And I approached established, you know, Hollywood ecosystem directors for this and didn't get anywhere. And, you know, Ricky was starting to get frustrated, just like, is the project ever going to happen and all that. And he's had, before I had met him, he'd had a lot of promises made to him, uh, especially when he first got out and, you know, nothing came into fruition. And so as I sat with him and he told me that he wanted the, he wanted the first thing he said that was sort of a creative touchstone was I want people to understand and feel the fear that I woke up with every single day for 39 years straight. And because I could be killed that day uh, when he was facing electrocution, uh, he was 82 days away from being killed, um, murdered by the state. So imagine waking up with that every day and no one's listening to you and you don't have the resources to fight something and you don't have Kim Kardashian on a podcast or you don't have the mobilization of social media. You have you're writing letters literal snail mail cold calls, right? Uh, with your life hanging in the balance and you're 17, 18 years old, you know nothing about it. That's a strong, a primal creative force as you could possibly put into any kind of a film. So the only honest place for me to jump into was, wow, this, this is a psychological horror story. And so the visuals then kind of followed after that. And then once I figured out that Ricky was actually in this 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 physical prison that we returned to film in and 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 combined with the fact that he said you know prison is meant to break down physicality it's concrete it's bars it's steel and it's to confine you physically and the only thing that you can do to escape prison is from a psychological or mental point of view so those were kind of the ingredients. And I, as I talked to Ricky more and more and more, the the vision became so specific. And he is, you know, we became so lockstep in our communication and, and really our friendship. We've traveled all over with this film now for, you know, all, you know, we're coming up on a year. And so there's just a certain language that develops between friends, like as you as anybody knows. And he can also shut down too, right? He can, he, he's the star talent and 
you have to understand there's 39 years of baggage and we're going into the place asking him to do really method acting, which is sense memory. That's what it's mostly founded on. So at any point in time, he could just shut that down and say, I'm not doing it. And I think it would be unethical for me as a filmmaker to come in and say, no, you have to, obviously, right? You know, there's money at stake, business components or anything like that. So that's why I became it's just inevitable that I had to direct it because we improvised everything in the film. Nothing was scripted. I had a basic structure of his narrative. There were certain signposts that uh, from a narrative point of view that were triggers for him. So I wanted, and that he brought up time and time again, and he tells the story the exact same way over and over and over again. So, you know, that these are sort of the punctuation points in his, in his, in his narrative. So what I really wanted to do was, take the prison as really his memory and his mind. So we're traveling. He says it in the beginning of the film, welcome to my memories. He makes a comment that he improvised about, you know, uh, memories are the predicates of experience. So his experience is 39 years in prison. So we're going into the memory of his 39 years, which occurred in the literal place where we're traveling and taking you to as a viewer. And then the the prison sort of twists and turns and then we anthropomorphize it, becomes like a Rubik's Cube as things are breaking in a positive way. Uh, we untwist the maze, so to speak. And as things break negatively, we twist it back up and, and, and then eventually he has to wind his way out. So he's it's a metaphor, obviously, for your memory, you know, the locked room of your mind. But at the same time, uh, we physically put him in the space and are physically having him make his way out all the way to the magic elevator, all the way down to the hallway where he has the first wardrobe change in the film. And then we do the, you know, that, that cut right into the Verite footage uh, in the courtroom. So we morph into that true crime bit, uh, you know, so it's a true hybrid, but, you know, the visuals were all sort of, you know, practical where we could be, but always sort of based on, you know, his feelings of isolation, loneliness, the prison itself is decaying. So it's an old memory in many, in many respects. So we, it was very much about where are we putting him in the space, but also keeping a, a geographic map of the space so we can put him in there and then get him out of there. I'm curious what the watching this film with an audience has been like for you. It, it's been overwhelming. I've never seen a film evoke that much emotion or that kind of an emotional response from an audience anywhere. I've been to big screenings with big movies, with big stars, you know, and big festivals. And uh, I've never seen people react the way they do to this film. And just the audible sobbing. And then there's laughs too, right? Like, there's an hour and 10 minutes of really kind of difficult content, you know, specifically, it's really 60 minutes, the last sort of uh, before when we're getting Ricky out, it's more sort of play by play, but there's some really difficult bits, you know, and, and you have to have that so that people can appreciate what it must be like for him. They want, we want people to feel what it might be like for him. It's an impossible feeling to articulate to someone, hey, here's what 39 years in prison and 82 days away from the electric chair feels like, it's impossible. So you have to break it down into bite-sized emotions that we all experience every day. You know, hope, isolation, hatred, love, um, you know, hopelessness. 
loneliness, all that, right? So I think we really tapped into that. And you feel that when you have to see it in the theater with a live audience, because, you know, it's definitely a communal experience. And then the Q&As afterwards have been so extraordinary. And I mean, we've screened it in Toronto, Montreal, Cannes, France, um, you know, all over the United States. And, you know, he, Ricky's get, getting compared to Nelson Mandela by people and specifically black audiences. And, um, you know, people just want to talk to him and they wanted, they also want to share their sort of trauma with him, which I talked to him about as a friend. And I say, you know, does that ever get too tough for you? Do you want us to sort of, you know, control the Q and A's a little bit more for you so you can, you know, not have to be burdened with that. He said, and he always just is so gracious and so Zen about it. He said, you know, everybody's going through something. Everybody has their own story. Uh, not everybody has to dig as deep, you know, as I had to dig, but everybody has something like that. And, you know, they deserve to talk about it as well. So, um, you know, he's happy to, to take that. So, yeah, overwhelming standing ovations. And we've won, I don't know, I think maybe seven, seven festivals so far. And, um, you know, we have about five more, you know, after Omaha and we hope to sell it by May, be done with it, you know, hopefully have it released around the holidays of, of 2023. What do you want people to take away from the film when they're walking out of the theater at the Omaha Film Festival? I, I want people to just remember somebody who went through wrongful incarceration that's it and because you see headlines you read headlines and that's exactly what ricky and i talked about like there's been a lot of great work done around the issue right 13th david duvernay's 13th like it's a it's an amazing academic exploration of this issue but where ricky's film belongs it slides in sort of here's the counterpoint to that and here's the human impact of this issue so here's the expo- here's the journalistic point of view of, of the issue that needs to be changed which we don't ever bring up right we don't ever tell you it's wrong but you're going to remember ricky jackson as a wrong as a as an exonerated person right and you probably can't name any other exoneree off the top of your head unless it's you know a personal story to you but you'll remember him so that's what I want people to walk away with. And I want people to say, you know what? I know that guy's story and I know what what that issue does. And from there, we have faith in people that they're going to say, yeah, that's wrong. That shouldn't happen. And if there's any legislation that comes across the average citizen's desk where they say, you know, it might be something that might help or prevent something like that, that happened to Ricky from happening in your community, they're probably going to think twice about it if they've seen this movie, right? Um, and we're very careful not to vilify uh, the other side uh, or tell you what to think. Uh, I think everybody knows that what Ricky went through is a tragedy and wrong. Uh, so we don't, you know, that's not for us to tell you. It's for it's up to us to, to give you an entertainment, a piece of entertainment that's going to engage you, uh, but also happens to be true and let you take it from there. Lovely Jackson is playing on Wednesday night at the Omaha Film Festival. For KIOS, I'm Joshua LeBure.